It's Monday, 22nd of June, 2020, and we're swiping left or right with Nick and Carrington. And today, episode three, the Victorian syndrome. Today we're discussing, is this the beginning of a bigger disease in Victorian labor? Green staffer keeps job with Shoebridge after defacing a statue. Lydia Thorpe wants Victoria to change its name. Colonial beer may change its name. Is the second wave upon us as Victoria recants restrictions? And this week's wine. Good morning, Nick. How are you going? Great Carrington in the state of renewed lockdown here. Um, already had to make changes to dinner bookings for, for later this week as the, the cap has been cut down from 50 to 20 in response to the outer suburban, largely, outbreaks we've seen in Darabin, Casey, Cardinia, those sorts of outer suburbs in Melbourne. Well, only in Dan Andrews, Victoria, are we seeing this, and it's quite a shock to see that the state with the strongest restrictions is also the state that has the highest new cases. But that brings me to the first topic of this week um, that, we're co- that we're looking at from last week and continues on into this week in Victoria, which is the beginning of the Victorian Labor Party disease. We saw this 10 years ago with the New South Wales Labor Party, and it looks like it's become ubiquitous. And we're seeing it in Victoria with Adam Somurek, who allegedly has done branch stacking, uh, stacking and potentially other things that have put the Victorian Labor Party in disrepute. And it seems like this is a very sick and dark problem within the Victorian Labor. I don't know what you have to say about this, but maybe you can help explain to um, everyone what branch stacking is in the Labor Party. Yeah, certainly. So it does vary from state to state, but basically the more members branches have, Mm. the more influence you can have in pre-selecting candidates. So obviously there's a there's an imperative, you know, an incentive for to have more members in the branches that support your particular faction within the party. Now, yeah. the, the, the Labor Party nationally and mo- even more so in Victoria has a very complicated network of factions. Yeah, um, some of them are sort of led by unions. Most unions are affiliated with a certain sort of faction. We used to have the Bill Shorten faction or the Shorts the Stephen Conroy faction, the cons, um, there's the socialist left, then there was this sort of middle faction that um, Somurak was involved in. And that he was, he had a lot of influence in getting some, um, a member from the socialist left to um, defect to his faction. Um, He also was able to get some of the larger unions to join with his his sort of banding, and mm. including the, the SDA or the, the Shop Distributive and Allied Employees Union, ah. which represent Woolworths employees. And yeah. They're, they're yeah, very, they're pretty very much uh, pro-marriage as well, you know, pro-traditional marriage as well. I so under... The shopping, so they the, call them yeah, the shoppies. Copies, correct. Yeah. So mm. the SDA, um, under the former Secretary Joe De Bruin, they were very conservative um, socially. So they opposed gay marriage. Um, I know there was, you know, that they, they did, at least some members have a stand against um, abortion and, you know, the more, yeah. the more socially conservative. They, yeah. they, they, from what my understanding, they were built around sort of conservative Catholic type 
yep. culture. So yeah, yep. they have they have evolved on since under their new leader. But um, that's sort of where they. You're right. That's where they're from. So what I mean, what what is the Labor Party? Uh, so that's what Adam Somurex faction. He they were part of his faction. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah, so that, so that I'm just trying uh, to understand, yeah, they, like. I'm trying to understand, like, the listeners. I, I don't know much about the Labor Party's internal movements other than that you guys are all made up of trade unions and, and different little factions and, as you've mentioned, you know, the short and shorts and the shoppies are behind or, or were behind Adam Somurek. Um, I'm sure they're not now. Yeah. And then we've had, you know, we've had more... There's more complication. It's a very fluid situation. We had um, two large unions merge. One was on the right supporting the right factions one was more supporting the left so they merged so now who do they support um there's a it's it's a very fluid situation and i guess an easy or relatable analogy that can be drawn upon is um if you've ever watched big brother there's lots of allegiances and alliances and networking and voting blocks Mm. to get people you know to win the big brother house and this really isn't significantly different it's it's all about posturing you know making making yeah, alliances to to gain more power to get seats onto um, the bodies that elect or you know have the influence in pre-selections ultimately so that in yeah. itself it's politics and it's that's in in every you know anywhere where there's politics happening whether it's a workplace or you know federal parliament there's always these sorts of things no matter what side you're on the the key the the key problem here is not so much that Samurak built his own sort of faction and and had you know a lot of a lot of influence through through that it's it's the it's the the fact it was done a lot of it was done through branch stacking which is which is obviously not undemocratic and corrupt so what parts, what elements, what did he actually do for the uh, Premier to come out and say that he's sacked him, not asked for his resignation, he's sacked him? What was so poor? I mean, from what I understand, it was um, the way he spoke about colleagues inappropriately and grotesquely. Um, that wouldn't be mm. uh, conducive in any workplace. So I can understand from that perspective. But what was it that so... Because uh, branch stacking isn't illegal; it's unethical. It's only illegal if there's forgery involved in some sort of way, and and that's been alleged, but there's no proof, or I don't think there's been any sort of detail on that. Um, so you tell you tell us how. What else is it that has warranted the well, premier to come out and make such a big deal about this? Yeah, well, I think I think you've hit the nail on the head. They they believe that so Victorian Labor has sixteen thousand members, of, of which I am one. Um, they they believe that up to four thousand, so a quarter of the membership base may be Somurak's phonies, which wow. is huge. Like that's a profound that's, number. That is, that is a lot. So a quarter. So what are we a talking quarter. about there? Like that's what four thousand, maybe more. Yeah, four thousand out of sixteen thousand. That's that's so, terrible. Yeah, that that scales profound. So that that is in in essence the key thing. Obviously, he said derogatory, homophobic, sexist, yeah. disgusting things. In but it was he was being recorded, obviously, without him knowing. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So you have to sort of give him a bit of grace with that. Well, however, the, it's a bit more flexible in Victorian law when you can record someone. From what we understand, I do understand oh. that he's. 
but it, yeah, it's much more flexible. Um, if you look at the Act from I think it's from 1989, I had a look. You can't do it in New South Wales without the consent of someone. But in Victoria, it's only if you're going to uh, say that you're representing someone else or something. I think is when you can't record someone. But it's but if you're just doing a private recording, um, you can according to mm. the way everyone's been interpreting the law in Victoria. But let's, let's talk, I'll just explain how it works in the Liberal Party. You can't actually branch stack in the way you may have once been able to in the New South Wales and Victorian divisions. So what I know is that if you turn up to a branch meeting to vote for a pre-selection candidate, you have to turn up. You can't um, have a proxy vote. There's no such mm. thing as a proxy vote in the Victorian Liberal Party or the New South Wales Liberal Party. It's just not possible. So you, you ha have to be there physically in person to vote on a motion or vote for a pre-selection. And we now, mostly in most of our areas of our divisions, um, it's one vote, uh, one member for everyone now. So uh, there are delegates for Senate positions, but we have one vote, one member for most of our House of Reps and uh, for, for state, federal and local government now. So, yeah, so that's where it's really different. It makes it much more difficult to branch stack in the Australian Liberal Party, which is a great thing that, that the Liberal Party has done. It means that you really do represent um, your own views and your own individual belief system. So that's a good thing. Yes. Um, it's And it's not like this is new for, for Labor or Victorian Labor at all. No. When I was in in student politics a decade ago, we had the same thing happening then. Uh, they they introduced measures then such as um, you must be a member for, I think it might be two years before you can vote in pre-selections. This was mm -hmm. obviously a, a measure to try and limit the, the impact of stacking. Mm. Obviously it wasn't enough. And it, it needs it needs to stop. It is it is a disease. It is It, it, it ruins the, the image of the party ruins the image of politics in general, it's it's not good for anyone. So tell us more about this trade union thing where <clears throat> effectively it sounds like now there's been a trade union takeover of the Victorian division of the Labor Party and now that makes things really scary. I mean, this is something that the unions would love to have happen. Can you clarify this? I mean, I'm only seeing and reading reports that it now sounds like they've taken effective control of your party in Victoria, and what have you got to say about that? I don't, I don't know where you've got this sort of um, where the, no, where it, that story it, from. It was in the Age. It was in the Age uh, last week. There's so part of the issue for for the union movement is that with the national executive taking over pre-selections in Victoria for the next three years, it essentially, at face value, suggests that the traditional process, which involves the the union movement mm -hmm. is now being distanced from the pre-selection process. Um, I, I understand that Daniel Andrews is having a meeting with some of the uh, major union secretaries on Thursday this week to work through that. So just to give you a, a bit of a summary of how the, the, the voting process works in Victoria, um, we have a, a state conference and um, the delegates come from um, the the membership base, but then also the unions. So the unions mm -hmm. provide um, fifty percent of delegates at conference, mm -hmm. and that's that's partly because the unions pay affiliation fees to to the Labor Party. Right. Okay. So there's not much sort of individual voice there, then, is there? Well, you would argue the individual voice is the other fifty percent. Okay. So you're saying that it's 
the unions are not taking effective control more than 50%? Is that what you're saying? Well, if, if National here. Executive... If national executive takes over, so national executive is is elected from national conference. Mm -hmm. So the the unions do have representation on national executive because they're elected from conference from the conference of which the delegates come from the unions. Okay, okay? so there, there's still that that impact there. Okay, I'll just I'll just read how it how it works. Okay, so in Victoria, for all lower house federal pre-selections and all state pre-selections, there's a, a public office selection committee of 100 members, which are elected by the state conference and yeah. ultimately reflect the factional makeup of the party. Oh, yeah. So they determine half the vote. And then the other half is just determined by a plebiscite of local voters residing in the electoral area concerned. Yeah, so that's where the, the power of branch stacking comes in to the fore. Right. It's if you if if you your branch is in, you know, the, say the electorate of, of Melbourne, then the the more the more stacked members, the the more impact you have in 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 getting the candidate you want as as pre-selection. Okay. Well, I think it's time that we choose to swipe one way or the other on this issue. I mean, I'm going to say that I am swiping right for branch reform, whereby. Uh, every member needs to turn up to vote uh, for pre-selections and that's how I see it currently within the Liberal Party and I think it's a great way for it to currently be. So I'm swapping right on this issue. Um, a while away from the, in my view, the Victorian Labor Party disease. Absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm voting or swiping right with you, Carrington. Um, I think the Labor Party has a lot to learn from the Liberal Party in terms of its pre-selection processes. The the Labor Party has a obviously a much more complicated um, situation, you know, with with all these affiliated um, unions. So it's it's not as easy, but there yeah there definitely is a lot to learn, and um, we need to make these changes. Okay, Carrington, we see that um, we had a Captain Cook monument defaced in Sydney last week. Um, I know there was one also defaced here in Melbourne in Fitzroy. But the culprit for the one in Sydney, interestingly, was um, revealed as being a staffer to a Greens candidate. Um, yes. Do you want to just give us a bit of a... Or, or staff staff to a Greens member, not a candidate. Um, do you want to just give us a bit yeah, of a rundown? Yeah, yeah. It that? was Greens MP David Shoebridge who was in the upper house, um, and it was the part-time employee to him that's been arrested um, on Sunday near College Street in the city centre, and she defaced it. Uh, I think with graffiti, from what I understand, at four a.m. in the morning. So. You know, I mean, these people, seriously, they get up at 4 a.m. in the morning, probably earlier than that, 3 a.m. in the morning, hey, here's a good idea, let's go and do some cancel culture and go and deface the uh, Captain Cook statue in Hyde Park. Listen, Nick, these people, they don't, they don't like Western culture. They don't like Australia. They don't like why Australia exists. They prefer that um, nothing would be the current way of life that we currently celebrate, which is our um, socialist capitalist democracy that we have. And they would see they would do anything that they can to try and reverse anything. They are the representatives of the extreme left wing, and it's just out, it's, it's just ludicrous that the uh, 
Greens MP has not removed this person from his public office. She's being paid taxpayer funds to seriously go out there and deface public property. It's an offence. It's an offence to this country. It's an offence to everyone else that lives here that celebrates our way of life. Look, there are definitely serious problems with um, the way in which uh, uh, we colonised this uh, nation. But that was hundreds of years ago. It was a very different time. We are making amends for that now. We are looking at ways to improve our Indigenous uh, relationships. Yes, there's a lot more to do, but th at the end of the day, this is not something that should be happening and this person should not be working in the Greens' office of, of, of Parliament. She should not be there. Um, I think, I think yeah, yeah, you make some valid points and it, it, it is a criminal offence, what, what she's done. But ultimately, we are talking about it and it these sorts of activities, they are bringing to the fore conversations that need to be had in Australian society. Reconciliation is not a done and dusted thing. It's an ongoing process that, you know, it's a mountain with no top. Yeah. And we need to we need to bring bring these things up um, that there are there are like for example, in Cairns, where 10% of the population is Indigenous, there's a there's a big statue of Captain Cook up there. Is that is that really appropriate? Um, it, it is to... Well, to I mean, we're, lo people. we're losing Captain sight Hall. of the issue. We're losing sight of the issue here. I mean, J Captain James Cook didn't do anything completely destructive to Indigenous people other than come and discover the country on the eastern seaboard. We, it, was, it was people like Governor Macquarie and John Batman who were the people who were the main offenders and culprits of Indigenous extermination from what we can understand from historical records. But we don't see those statues being defaced anywhere near as much as poor Captain James Cook, who discovered the country. And it's just, and don't, let's not lose sight of the issue here. There are other ways in which you can talk about these issues, and that is by protesting or by coming together and writing to your local MPs or putting together a movement against it. I mean, there, there, and which has been done time and time again. Uh, we're not going to remove statues of people who've discovered this country. It's just not going to happen. Agreed that, that there are other ways. However, writing a letter to an MP, is that going to get on the front page? Is that going to get people talking? No, these are effective techniques. But why would you want to remove the, the discovering uh, person of this country statue? Why would you want to do that? doesn't make any sense because it triggers it triggers people like protesting when there's a virus spreading rapidly you know in the community like in melbourne it it's these edgy things i'm not i'm not an advocate for it and, and mm -hmm. don't don't mm -hmm. get me wrong there but it it does Sounds seem like that it it's these activities that really upset people are the ones that get the traction whether that's mm. click you know clicks in media people talking it, it does seem to be what works you do the sensible thing like write a letter to your local member or i don't know call in on the talk back i don't you're not, think so you just don't, I don't get the so. impact no it just it just goes to show the hatred that the left have for our society our westernized society that's all it does it only it only strengthens the position of people like me on the right side of politics who who want to say i celebrate this country and what we and how we are uh, celebrated, and, and it only makes me um, disappointed and angry at the extreme left for them trying to constantly tear down our culture that we celebrate today. I'm swiping right on this issue. I'm going to swipe to the middle. Okay, well, I don't know what the middle looks like then for you. So, Nick, Lydia Thorpe, who is a potential 
Greens Senator for Federal Parliament wants to change Victoria's name. So Victoria is obviously the name from Queen Victoria um, during, uh, I believe, Federation. It was to celebrate her uh, her reign as Queen um, for a long period of time. Yeah, um, I think well, she died in I think she died in nineteen oh one, didn't she? Right, and I think Federation was coming together around then, wasn't it? So, mm-hmm. so. Yeah. Uh, uh, hang on. No, but Victoria was was a colony. The colony of Victoria of was course. from 1950, I think, yeah. 1950 or 1850? Sorry, 1850. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was going to say, since that was, that, that was late coming. Uh, yeah, 1850. And so uh, she reigned during that period and she died in 1901. And then, you know, we have the great state of Victoria, which we're both from. I now live in New South Wales. But come on, this is ridiculous, right? What do you Once again... Looking at the point I made in the in our last discussion, it's evocative. It gets it people is. upset, gets people worked up. Imagine changing the name of your state, not just one but two states, Queen Victoria's Land or Queensland for short, and and Victoria. Yeah, um, is it going to happen? I wouldn't be putting my money on it, but it gets it gets a reaction and it gets. People on the right, like yourself, all hot under the collar. And it does bring into sort of the public conversation the issues of reconciliation, the, the issues of the fact that, you know, we, we are... Oh, that's vi- uh, Victoria and Australia was not an empty, desolate bit of real estate just waiting for someone to move in. It was it was an occupied land and, and the Europeans came in and sort of just stole it. And you know that 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 needs to be recognised, and it sort of is, you know, with all these. Well, we didn't steal the land; we, col- we colonised the land from the Western perspective, and unfortunately. Is that a euphemism for stealing? Can I come in and colonise your your apartment in? Well, if you're Coast? so ashamed to be here, why are you here? <laughs> Where am I meant to go? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you're going to make it's, if you're going to make a personal not... remark about my apartment in Kings Cross, <laughs> which is actually Pot's point, by the way. Um, but it's also Gadigal land. There you go. Do you know the land in which oh, you right. live? There we go. Yeah, the, the, the Wurundjeri. Oh, land, glad to hear. Glad to hear. So yep. so you can't convince And, and I, I grew up in Gunai Kurnai. Wonderful. Well. You can't you can't convince change by making extreme suggestions. That doesn't get anyone anywhere. It's only through the influence of concerted discussion to get to a middle ground or solution or an approach whereby everyone can come together conciliatory to come up with a new way of changing something or putting in place a new way to reconcile two parties, two warring parties or whatever you want to call it. Um, Indigenous people today are, are worse off in certain sectors of our society and it's very sad that that is still the case and those are the issues in which we need to address. Changing the name of a state will not fix that, not at all. Even a treaty for the state will not fix that. And I don't, I don't see how any symbolic gesture by changing the name of the state is going to help Indigenous people with their suffering. I agree with you that yeah, there's, there's a lot more that needs to be done and these symbolic things aren't the answer to everything. But I, I do feel there is a... a an identity issue with the Aboriginal culture. They feel possessed, disempowered. Disempowered, I think, is pivotal here. 
and there's there's that sort of um, way the world occurs for these people is is not good enough. They're, they they need to feel empowered. They need to feel like they belong here. This is their country. And the things that can emanate from the sense of empowerment, a, 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 you know, be, better leadership, better better cohesion in community, all these things, which in the absence of you get alcoholism, you get drug dependency, yeah. Yeah. you get lack of motivation. And that's sort of the, you know, the... I the, think the, the issue the, though the, is, Nick, where... You're sort of going off on a different tangent around national reconciliation. I think we really need to explore this issue, maybe in another show, mate. But but re- look, national reconciliation is a great topic to talk about. But we are focusing on one issue today, a micro issue, which is changing the name of the state. Let's stick to that. Okay. <laughs> well, I I vote leave leave it the same. Yeah, you vote. Swipe. (laughs) (laughs) Swiping where, mate? Swiping where? You're really stuck on this one, aren't you? Well, I... I, You're really... It's really... Let's talk about the issue. It's always... This is the problem... No, but this is the problem. This is the problem with people on the left like you. You make it about this grandiose issue. And it's not about this grandiose issue. It's about the changing the name of the state of Victoria. So... I'm swiping right to keep the state of Victoria the same because that's what that's the state that we've been living under now for nearly over 100 years. Let's well, probably is over 100 years, but it has been a state for for over 100 years actually as a federation. So let's let's keep it that way. So I'm swiping right. I'm swiping left. Keep the conversation going. Keep exploring why things are named the way they are and what that means to the Indigenous First People of this land. So, Nick, Brewing Company Colonial Beer may have to change its name. And they may have to change their name because of cancel culture again. I can't believe we're going through this again. Every Tom, Dick and Harry out there is being targeted just because they might have a word that's too offensive for the extreme left on social media. Essentially, what's going on here, it's just these little social media waves. They, they find one thing to attack. They're like a virus, a plague. They find one thing to attack, and then they move on to the next thing. It's almost like you're watching it um, unfold in front of your eyes, where you see it's like this, uh, I can't explain it, but it's like this virus spreading through society. And it's really quite, um, it's really quite sad that this is happening. Uh, what do you think? I... Do find it, yeah. I, I, I find it hard to see where where this will end. Are we are we going to move on to not na- you know removing anything that's named after someone that's been known in history to be homophobic, yeah. Yeah. which would be probably most people. people. Up until yeah. quite recently, it was publicly almost publicly appropriate to say homophobic things. Mm-hmm. Where where is this going to end? I, yeah, it, it does seem a little over the top for me. I mean, they, they announced a branding response, uh, you know, which was quite clever and articulate that they would review their brand name to see if they should change it. But I tweeted on that day when it came out that um, a brand should not be driven by social media outrage to change its name. It should be driven by what its customers want. And Channel 9, um, the Today Show, did a, a poll, a telephone and internet poll, and 14,000 respondents came back and said, it was like 97% said, keep your name. 
do not change your name. And most of the commentary and the press have been quite in favour of it. But the reason why <clears throat> it was brought up at all is because there was a whole site, uh, sorry, a retailer that's decided not to stock their products anymore in Victoria and in the ACT, uh, Black Hearts and Sparrow. And let me tell you, Black Hearts and Sparrow, I won't be shopping at Black Hearts and Sparrow anymore. Um, I don't, I don't support a, a retailer that, that that wants to do that. I mean, that, that their name isn't even based on us being in, an imperialist uh, nation. It's actually because they <laughs> decided to become a beer company within the Margaret River wine area, so they called themselves Colonials. I mean, this is how ridiculous it is. Uh, what do you think? It's a, it's a difficult situation uh, you know we also have the financial organization colonial first state yeah are they are they looking at changing their name that's a far more and macquarie well bank as brand. well but yeah county can i throw this at you if there was a, a business that was named after a famous homophobe what about that nrl play falau like if if there was if your supermarket was called falau the fresh food people mm-hmm. would you be campaigning to have Falau, the Fresh Food People, named another name? No, because I wouldn't identify Falau, Fresh Food People, as being a homophobic, uh, host, uh, sorry, retail producer of supermarket goods because it's actually associated with a business, not with a person who isn't connected to that business. So no, I wouldn't support that at all. So uh, I, I think it's really telling that even the Western Australian Premier, a Labor Premier has come out and said, you know, this is just unnecessary, that it doesn't agree with it, um, and that we're taking it a bit too far. So good on um, McGowan, Premier McGowan for that. He's turning out to be an all right Premier for a Labor Premier, Nick. So again, <laughs> I have to swipe right against this. I'm on the side of people who would be on the right of this, and they would be saying, keep the name, don't change it. Colonial Brewing Co., I'm right behind you. Keep the name. Don't change it based on social media trolls and social media activists who sit at home all day doing nothing, trying to um, be virtual signalers. Don't let don't let social media change what you do. I'm yeah, I'm swiping right there, particularly on your last comment. Um, social media activism is a cancer on on free speech and democracy. Here, here. So following a week of increased community coronavirus transmission in Victoria, uh, one of Australia's most popular political leaders and one of Labor's most um, successful political leaders of all time, Daniel Andrews, took the strong action to enact further restrictions on Saturday, two days out from a proposed lifting date. Mm. Um, this, this was responsive, powerful, and a sensible course of action. And I, once again, it, it makes me proud to be in a state led by someone like Daniel. And I hope he'll be prime minister one day. God, we're calling him Daniel now. And now you want him to be a prime minister? I mean, please. This is just Dan Andrews covering up what's going on with Adam Somirek, isn't it? Isn't that what this is all about? trying to change the media cycle, the 24-hour news cycle, to focus on the health issue rather than the actual problems that are going on within his party and the the shocking uh, ethics within the party. I mean, I just can't believe it. I I think that's what's really what we're looking at here. Um, The fact that that 
Victoria's restrictions have been the toughest in the whole country consistently, consecutively, over weeks and weeks and weeks, and yet uh, there are more new cases. And I think what it is, I mean, and he's blaming families, blaming families. I mean, good on you, mate. Yeah, yeah, good on you, Daniel. Um, listen, think about it this way. If you have such tight restrictions, people naturally rebel against them. We just, it's in our behaviour. And it's been three months now, three months plus now for Victorians who have had to endure these extremely tough restrictions. And it is Australia's nanny state. And what happens with people within a nanny state, they rebel. And so this is what's happening. I reckon a lot of these families have decided, oh, you know, mate, it's all right. Don't worry about the, you know, the, the number of restrictions. We'll, we'll just go over and have, you know, a house of 25 people or 15 people in our backyard. You know, who cares? And, and, and that's probably how the virus has um, spread. You know, we're seeing it in the northern suburbs and the outer eastern suburbs of Victoria, where those hot spots are. But, you know, it's also the media beating it up. You know, the left media, the age down there, they're lapping this up. Oh, let's put more restrictions on people so they can't do anything. I think um, had Victorians had have had lesser type, sorry, less tight restrictions imposed upon them, uh, we would be seeing a very different number right now. I think your comments there are quite dangerous. These, this is a public health issue. And to say that it should be ignored because it's being used as a distraction from a, a rather abstract internal I didn't say political I didn't say it should phenomenon. be ignored. Like branch stacking, it, it really is, is not, in terms of, gravity and impact on people's lives and their health it's nothing compared to the coronavirus the 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 restrictions are needed um, and we don't unlike the other states the you know, new south wales has negligible community transmission Transmi community transmission Correct. is rising here we've had, less, Victoria... we've had less we've had less restrictions imposed upon us you know our gyms are open and we have no community transmission We've had no community transmission now for three weeks. Yeah, I think you might. There's, there's one sub suspect case this morning, a 30-year-old okay. male in yeah. the southwest of what to Sydney. See. But the, the thing here is we're seeing a, a behavioural trend where people think, oh, it's in the house, it's with trusted friends and family, therefore social distancing doesn't apply. No, and how can we you can make that? How, how can, exactly, exactly. Can I, can I finish? Kiss and hug. And, and do those sorts of things because they're in someone's living room and not a restaurant. And, and I think the, the, the insight from the health authorities is really, really great here. They've, they've looked at it and gone, well, hey, in a restaurant, you're not kissing and hugging everyone. Because no, you're not. Because public scrutiny, even the protests, the BLM well, protests. But you've put further restrictions on restaurants this weekend. So it doesn't make no. sense. We've lifted, um, sorry, they, it, there was going to be a lift from 20 to 50, and that's been maintained exactly. at 20. I think that's sensible in the way that it will curtail um, large gatherings in these venues. Mm. So having 20 means you're not going to have a family of 20. Like I was in a restaurant last night on Chapel Street, and a group of six people come in together. Obviously, they don't socially distance because they're all at the one table. Yeah. 
you couldn't, you couldn't get a booking, of, you know, particularly these out of suburban mega family units that may have 20 or 30 people. They just yeah. can't go to a restaurant. So it, it, that, that 20 cap, dare I say, is probably due to that. But it just, it just goes to show how screwed up social distancing, physical distancing is. Because you can go to a restaurant and congregate with friends and other friends that you haven't seen for some time. You are yeah. really quite close to one another. Yes. And, and you can't distance. There's just at a, at a table, you're not sitting 1.5 metres apart. It's just the whole thing yeah, is, a, is a mockery. It's it's not. There's, there is some method to that madness. At face value, it looks like madness. But a table of six in close proximity mm-hmm. versus a table of 20 mm-hmm. has a huge difference in epidemiological spread. Maybe. And that's, that's no. what's been done. Six people together at a table is bad. Yes, we all agree on that. But it's better than 20 people, better than 30 people, better than, you know, the, the Smith family get together in the backyard out in Reservoir. Yeah, see, I'm not, I'm where... not sure I agree because, we. I mean, I, I do take the New South... Sorry, the Victorian Chief Medical Doctor's advice seriously. Of course I do. But at the same time, um, you've had significantly severe restrictions in your state and it hasn't made a difference. So what is going on? What is it What is it that's happening in the state of Victoria whereby it's not being managed properly? It's clearly not being managed properly. And you have to think about it. Are severe restrictions really the answer? Okay, so things have been lifted here. You know, compared Victoria now, compared to New South Wales, even a month ago, we have far looser restrictions. So it's just saying Victoria in a, yeah, in a relative that's sense. That's an apple and orange comparison. That's an apple it's, and orange it's comparison. Not, it's, not the, it's, it's, it's not a really valid argument. The, 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 the thing here is in that announcement on Saturday, mm. it was really responding to the, the occurrences of spread that we've seen, the observed spreading activities, and that was people going to work. So H&M worker at Northland Shopping Mall. Yeah going to work knowing they have it because yeah. they need they have bills to pay they've got to pay their rent is that what they sorry is that what pay. actually happened though is that what's yes is that the so, commentary so victoria's launched launched a 1500 dollar payment now if you test positive i'm uh, sure 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 which is a good measure but is that what that person has said i that's the instance of someone going to work it it, it may be somewhere else but so we don't know um, we don't know if that's yeah, actually what was okay we don't know it's H&M, but there has been more cases from someone. But naturally, you'd have to think they've come up with that policy because they want workers to feel safe that if they are, if they do have a yeah, yeah positive case, yeah. that they can be paid. Yeah, and I, I think I think the prime minister thinks that's a good idea. As well. Yeah, I, I so, think it's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's great. The the other instances are these big family bashes that are happening in the house, and this Bashin? this is what oh yeah. This, <laughs> Yeah. Five people, the yeah. five people thing that that's yeah. that's being implemented. Yeah, yeah, it's um, fascinating. Cut cut to ten. Um, it's it's responsive. Um, I my my main concern in terms of the the sort of the intellectual rigor of these measures mm. is okay. It's it's a sample size problem and. We've only had a couple like these these clusters. They're only they're only you know you can count the clusters on your hand. The yeah, community transmission numbers. They're only from about five events. H and M. Right. Yeah, but we've seen. We know that family. we've seen in the past how quickly yeah. it spreads. Yeah. It, it's 
so they're, they're basing the whole new restrictions on this very small sample of events. Mm. While at the same time we're opening gyms today, the gyms opened it for the first time today. Oh, great. But what are you, what's, your, what's your limit? It's 20 per area of the gym. Okay, yeah. So ju just because we've seen the clusters in these particular activities, that's, that's sort of driving the whole policy position in Victoria. Yeah. yeah. When it's... It's such a small sample. They need to be looking more overseas. I know they're trying to be responsive and, you know, responding to how things are happening here, mm. but it's only yeah, it's it's such a small sample. Yeah. And there's sample yeah. error concerns with that type of stuff. So I just, I, I'm just human beings. That, you know, we'll get next thing will be a cluster at the gym. Then yeah, okay, let's close the gyms down again. Then the next yeah. thing will be a cluster at Woolworths. I love the supermarkets today. <laughs> You know, like make it online only. Like it, it, mm. it just seems a little bit light on rigor. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I just don't see shutting down your economy will help anyone. Um, I think people just need to be much more diligent in in congregating with the certain amounts of, Karen, of Karen, sizes. You, you, you as the uh, you know the liberal member of our duo. Reducing family gatherings has negligible impact on the economy, and that's the the, the key part of this measure. So I, I don't see why you know it, this isn't a particularly economically detrimental thing. The well, it is numbers, because the restaurants yeah. were planning to open up to fifty capacity uh, in Victoria, and now they have to try and work within twenty. So you know that means it's time and resource and money to manage that um, that reduction once more because of the change, and it's just. It will just be pulling back our economic performance across the whole country once more because of your state, unfortunately. And I hope to God that state does is able to eradicate this virus ASAP because it's causing significant economic impact on a on a great state, great state of Victoria. Uh, so I. I'll just swipe into the centre for this for the first time today. I'm swiping to the centre with my serious concerns that I've outlined. I'm just swiping, swiping left. So this week's wine, Nick, is going to be something a little different. Uh, I'm going to promote a book today. I wouldn't normally promote uh, anything else other than wine because I love wine, but I thought I would promote uh, Tony Abbott's sister's book, Christine Forster love marriage and life and you can get her book from booktopia.com.au and it's about a collection of uh articles and op-eds that she has written um over the last 12 years since she came out um as gay with her partner virginia flintcroft and how they've gone on this journey and adventure together throughout the whole same-sex marriage campaign as well um i've worked on and off over the years with christine um she's a great lady and it's a great book, and that's what I'm plugging today. Lovely, have to check it out. Um, I'm going to um, plug a, a restaurant, um, partly because you know the industry is a little bit embattled here in Victoria. Mm. Noir in OIR in in um, Swan Street in Richmond had a delicious French meal there on Friday. Um, yeah, really, really lovely, fine French food. I did burn my finger on the souffle. Um, <laughs> How did you do that? So, how did you do that? Well, they, you know, they out of the oven. The, well, the, what did the you do? Did you touch the dish or did you touch the supply? Yeah, I, did. I touched the dish. Why? Why did you do that? 
wasn't thinking. Okay. Uh, that, that says a lot, doesn't it? Kidding. Kidding, kidding, kidding. That's the end of the show for another week, episode three, The Victorian Syndrome. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Thanks for joining us. So you can contact us, and please do so, at left or right at nickandcarrington.com. That's left or right at nickandcarrington.com. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you.